0: welcome to living word ministries with director and bible teacher debbie blank each week debbie examines current events through the lens of end times bible prophecies please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org now let's open our bibles to focus on truths from god's word with debbie blank
1: it's so much fun to read all the amazing miracles in the bible where god raised people from the dead I think of Jesus' dear friend, Lazarus, that after four days in the tomb, Jesus brought him back to life. And then if you're familiar with the story of the widow from Zarephath, how her son died and Elijah stretched himself out on top of the boy and prayed for him and he came back to life. Then you have Peter, who was in the city of Lod and the people of Shaphat called to him and said, Peter, you need to come here because our dear friend Lydia, who's been such an encouragement to the Christian community, has died. So Peter went on to Jaffa. He prayed for this woman. He called her to rise, and she rose from the dead. So we know that God and the people he empowers through the Holy Spirit are the only ones who can raise people from the dead. Only God can do that, at least until now. Recently, scientists brought a pig back to life. My oh my, have we gone too far? Are we playing God? I'm Debbie Blank. Thanks for joining us today as we're going to look at some extreme links that mankind has started to go towards and will continue if something doesn't stop them.
0: And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. And speaking of pigs, I know just a couple of things about pigs when it comes to popular sayings. For instance, politically, I know that some politicians will try to put lipstick on a pig. That means to try to dress up some terrible legislation with pretty language. And then there's the sarcastic response of, when pigs fly, which means whatever you're waiting for is just never going to happen. Well, pigs probably never will fly. But can pigs live again after they die? Scientists are reporting that they have revived cellular activity in critical organs in a previously dead pig. The intention, of course, is to perfect this process and eventually apply it to humans. Is this good or is this bad? Perhaps the Frankenstein novel isn't so far off from our future. What are the scientific, ethical, moral, and biblical cautions to these developments?
1: I was so surprised with this article in the New York Times on August 3rd that told the story of a group of Yale scientists who injected the bodies of dead pigs with this new concoction that they call Organ X, that brought the organs of dead animals, specifically pigs, back to a partial level of life. Now they didn't get up and start dancing or anything, but they did have their organs come back to life. The pigs had been dead for more than an hour. No blood circulating, no brain waves, just dead. But when the scientists coupled this new Organ X serum with a machine that helped push that through the animal system, it started the beast's heart pumping again. Things then changed considerably. As the New York Times noted, although the pigs were not considered conscious in any way, their seemingly dead cells revived. Their hearts began to beat as the solution was circulated in their veins and arteries. Cells in their organs, including the heart, the liver, kidneys, and brain were functioning again, and the animals never got stiff like a typical dead pig. Now, at the same time they did this with this organ X, they tried it out on other pigs without using the organ X, but this same kind of a system to shoot new blood through the animal's bodies. And they stayed dead. They were stiff. But this organ X with this new system worked. The researchers said that the revived pigs still had muscle movement. Some even experienced head jerking. And remember, this is after an hour, so this isn't right after death. The researchers say their goals are to one day increase the supply of human organs for transplant by allowing doctors to obtain viable organs long after death. And then they say that they hope their technology might also be used to prevent severe damage to hearts after a devastating heart attack or brains after a major stroke. Well, if you've had a heart attack and you've had a stroke, you want any help you can get. But wait a minute, if you read all this, they're doing this so that they can at some point in the future do this on humans. The good news is, according to a bioethicist at Yale University, this is very far away from use in humans. Because I got to tell you, this scares me. Who is the giver of life and who is the taker of life? God and God alone. Only he is the one who can create life And only he is the one who should be taking it. Now we know that we take our own lives in suicide. Not us, but obviously humans do. We know that humans kill one another. So humans have taken life out of God's hands when it comes to causing death. But when it comes to creating life, God's been the only one who could ever do it. I know that when all my years of studying in the book of Revelation, in chapter 13, it talks about a very interesting phenomena when this beast comes up out of the sea and it talks about him having a fatal wound that was healed. And nobody's ever been able to explain that because the beast is satanically empowered, but Satan doesn't have the power to raise from the dead. So how could this beast have a fatal wound and then rise from the dead? Well, we now have a scientific way that that could potentially happen. We've got to remember, God is the one who gives life. Let me share with you a couple of verses. First of all, we know from Genesis 1, 26, that God made man in his own image, male and female, he created them. What will we be created in if we are revived with some kind of chemical? Will our composition change? Will our spirit change? Will our attitude change? Will we become zombies? What is this going to look like? And then remember that according to Deuteronomy thirty-two nineteen, God says, see now that I, I am he. There is no God beside me. It is I who put to death and give life. Now, if there's no God beside God, how does God feel when we make ourselves God and take on God's responsibilities? That's pretty disheartening as to how God might feel about that particular opinion of what we'd be doing. In Psalm 104:29, it reads, You hide your face. They are dismayed. You take away their spirit. That means in death. They expire and return to dust. So what happens to people when they die and then are brought back to life because their spirit's been taken away from them? Does God bring the spirit back? There's so many questions here and ethical concerns. I'm just not sure where this is leading us in our country.
0: It's really weird because you know that the technocrats and the scientists and the people with the AI and all the experiments that they're doing with chimera type things where they take human cells and they take and grow a human ear on the back of a mouse. I mean, I've seen pictures of this. They're doing all these experiments. And you know, they say that if scientists can do something, they will do it. So whatever the next step is, the next stage is, they're just compelled to do it. All of these people who are not Christian, not believers, but desire immortality, would like to have immortality without God, and that's what they're trying to do, and that's really scary.
1: Well, that means that we're trying to be like God. Do you remember at the Tower of Babel, the people were trying to do the same thing? According to Genesis 11:6 and seven, God said, now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language. Now, that's all God did. He just confused their language and they spread out then more across the world at that time. What will he do to us now? If nothing is impossible for us, how will God curtail our activity? In Romans 128, God says, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do the things which are not proper. What kinds of things will God allow us to do? Because we've turned away from God so much that we have depraved minds, and we're doing things that we think are right, but are they proper? Now, I appreciate science. I'm glad that we have penicillin to take care of illnesses that we have. I'm glad that they figured out transplants and all the things that have never been possible before this day and age. So science is good in many ways. But when we start using stem cells from aborted babies, which we have been doing for a long time now to try and fix diseases, and also to use in the vaccines for COVID, when we do that, these are aborted baby body parts. They're stem cells that we're using primarily theirs to find all these things. And how can it be right to use aborted babies to try and help us in other ways? Science will tell you it's great, and it's been a real opening in scientific arenas for that. But what does God think about us aborting our children so that we can keep ourselves healthy longer? We have to really be careful because things that we're starting to see now that are designed to help mankind do not go along with God's plan or his word.
0: Satan has always wanted to counterfeit God. And whenever he has the opportunity, he tries to do that. He can't really do it. He can't really pull it off. And when he does try to do it and when man cooperates with that, you're going to end up with something freakish. Again, I think about transhumanism, where they try to put different animals together with humans. They've been doing a lot of that. Or AI, where they try to merge technology in human beings as well. This medical advancement, as some people would see it, a very good thing because we can have these cells that can be regenerated, can be brought back to life, that could help people survive, could help people who need transplants to have more of a chance to get a transplant. So why isn't this just a good thing? What are the ethical concerns about these developments?
1: Well, there's always ethical concerns when we get into an area that we've never been before, especially as we've talked about how we take away life from God's hands. Right now, many countries require people to be dead for two hours before organs can be harvested. But if this drug is used, then when is the person considered dead? Or when can they sign their death certificate? I mean, we just don't know. That's a simple thing, but consider If they're brought back to life, are we then harvesting organs from live people? Now, the fact of the matter is, we've already gone down that slippery slope because we're aborting our children. And not only are we aborting them, but we're harvesting their body parts. We're using them for experimentation. We're using them for stem cell research. It won't be long before they say it's okay to do this. They'll justify it in one way or another because we've set a line that disregards human life. We disregard mortality and morality and God. And so it's only a matter of time where we can justify anything we want because what we want might hurt one person, but it helps somebody else. Sorry, but that doesn't cut it in God's eyes. It's either right or there's wrong we cannot justify the things that we wanna do. So we have to consider all of these moral implications. We have to consider what is life and when does life cease being life? If a person has the organs that are alive and yet the rest of them does not, does that mean that they're not alive? That's a slippery slope to fall down. And when you consider the Bible says that the life of the body is in the blood. Well, blood was circulating in these mice, which means that there's life in the body. And then some people argue that life's just a clump of cells at any stage that allows for abortion. But if they believe that, then they believe that what we do with those cells is up to our discretion. Whatever benefits science or me or other people, we can do what we want. Unfortunately, our ethical concerns down through the decades have continued to slip. And we justify the ethical concerns that we have based on what benefits other people rather than what's right and wrong. Ethics means looking at what is right and wrong. The only way we can find the answer to that is by going to the Word of God. Be careful. This is a tough road forward for all of us. And just because scientists may say it's okay and the government may say it's okay, We have to see what God says to find out if it's truly right. There's another example of a new study that was published on August 1st of 2022 in the journal called Cell. Researchers from the Weisman Institute of Science have grown synthetic embryo models of mice outside the womb by starting solely with stem cells cultured in a petri dish. Now understand, no egg, no sperm, no womb, and yet they're creating a Not a human being, but a human mouse. They're taking everything that God intended for the establishment and development of human beings. And in this case, they're using mice to do it. And they're putting it all into science and taking it out of God's hands. Now, they haven't moved beyond this. This is just mice. They've just started here. But imagine they took an electronically controlled device to keep the embryos bathed in a nutrient solution that continually moves therefore it stimulates the kind of nutrients that they would get in a womb and it gives them everything they need including blood flow and oxygen and it keeps going all the time so that these animals can now grow into beings, even though they weren't created in the natural form if they can do that with mice they're going to be able to do it with people will these new creatures be human Will they be made in the image of God as we are according to what we've just read in scripture? Will they be zombies? What kind of a world will we have when we have AIs, which are becoming much more prevalent? When we have zombies or these created by man people, what will happen to humanity? And did God ever intend for people or life or machines to take the place of mankind?
0: certainly sounds like the plot of a lot of science fiction movies, particularly some modern ones, have gone into this kind of a thing. If you have artificial wombs lined up and human-like creatures growing in these artificial wombs, what are these creatures? Are they really people? So yeah, it's kind of scary. Going from Frankenstein to that, it has a lot of things that could be really concerning.
1: Well, let's consider, go back to Genesis chapter 6. Before the flood. When God destroyed everything, all man, all human being, all animals, everything, what was the world like? Let's read from Genesis 6, 4 to 7. It says, The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were mighty men who were of old, men of renown. What did God say about them? The next verse he said, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continuously. Now, if you understand this as best as we can from scripture, the sons of God are demons who somehow managed to come and do something so that they could procreate with women. And I say do something because demons are fallen angels and angels don't procreate. So perhaps they inhabited bodies or did something, but they procreated with women. That was an anathema to God. That went against God's total plan for mankind. And so he saw through that, that every intent of man's heart was only evil continually. How are we different today from then? We're really not in the things that we're doing. Now it went on to say here in Genesis 6, 7, The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Do you think God's sorry now that he's let mankind live as long as we have without coming back and judging us? Do you think that the things that we're doing are grieving him? Do we even care that what we're doing is grieving God instead of blessing God and worshiping him and building him up and making him Lord of our lives? we're doing just the opposite. We're doing what we want to do. We're really doing the exact same things that happened before the flood. So that's why the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the earth, from man to animals, to creepy things, into the birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made them. I can't help but think now as God watches us, that he's sorry that he's made us in what we're doing. Now, praise the Lord, he told Elijah way back in the time of Kings that when Elijah thought he was the only remnant of God's prophets left on the earth, God said, I have 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So 7,000 people were out there who truly follow God. So we know that there are people in our country, in our world who truly follow Jesus Christ, who want nothing more than for him to be glorified and honored in all that we do individually and all that we do as a nation. Many have given their lives as missionaries so that they might be able to share the love of Christ with other people before it's too late. Because according to this, what happened in Noah's time, we're in the same type of an atmosphere here, which means that we could be looking Not at the destruction of everything because God promised that would never again happen by flood. But we could be quickly looking at the wrath of God coming upon this earth as he said he would bring before he returns.
0: When you read about Genesis and what happened there were the demons interfered with the propagation of the human race. It was not the natural propagation. It was something unnatural. And so you have perhaps the giants of old, the men of renown that are described in the Bible. We see how often in Scripture giants are referred to, fighting that went on with the giants, something perhaps that God didn't intend that led to what ended up happening with a wicked race and God needing to take care of that with the flood. Are we in the same place now where God would have to do something else as Satan continues to interfere with the natural propagation of the human race?
1: You mentioned unnatural and Satan's interference with the natural. Well, that's what we're seeing in this transgender movement. It is so unnatural. It is not of God when a person who is created in one sex transforms to another just because he thinks or she that they might be a different sex. The natural is written in scripture. And anything we do that goes against that natural order is an anathema to God, and it grieves him greatly to see us turning away from him, but also turning away from what he knows is best for us. You see, the Bible isn't full of all this, you better do this or I'm not going to be happy with you stuff from God. Instead, it's a loving God who gives us direction to help us so that we can live in a manner that will bring us joy and blessedness and honor to him and not destroy our lives. We've talked to so many people and we've read so many stories about people who have transgendered or people who have chosen a homosexual lifestyle. And for the most part, they are very unhappy. Many are alcoholics. Many are very diseased because of the diseases that come along with that kind of a lifestyle. But the point is that kind of lifestyle is an abomination to God. Well then to dovetail into a different discussion but still one that has similar content this isn't about life or death or creating something scientifically but what it does talk about in California they have just passed a law where they are funding heroin injection sites in Los Angeles, Oakland, and San Francisco. They're going to allow people to legally come to these sites and get high with their own drugs or with drugs that are given to them. Understand in scripture, there's a word, a Greek word that's used three times, and it is pharmakeia. Now that we would understand that because we get the word pharmacy from that. So we know the pharmakeia really has to do with drugs or sorcery or witchcraft in scripture. In Galatians 5.20, we're told that idolatry or pharmakeia, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, and so many other things are an abomination to God. And Revelation 9 21 uses that same term when it says, and they did not regret of their murders, nor of their pharmakeia, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. So God uses that word pharmakeia as a natural occurrence of people who are walking away from God. What do people who are taking major drugs like this, what do they do? They have hallucinations They believe things that aren't true. They get into witchcraft, they get into sorcery, and that's what this is. So we are allowing our members of society, even encouraging them to take drugs. Consider that we have a federal law that it's currently a felony to operate a space to distribute or use a controlled substance. As a matter of fact, our President Biden even co-authored the federal statute when he was a senator. And yet this Senate Bill 57 that was passed in California enables these three cities to open heroin injection sites for drug users that are labeled safe consumption sites. It sounds really good, doesn't it? We're going to help these people so that they're not using bad needles. And we're going to make sure that they don't overdose because we'll be right there to help them and inject them with an anti-overdosing drug. So it really sounds good, but what does it do? It's promoting drug use. According to recent studies and data, these sites do just the opposite of what they're supposed to do. A 2020 study from the Alberta government on the province's safe consumption sites found sites resulted in increased calls to police, lack of response from police, increased needle debris on the public and private properties, increased crime, increased overdose deaths, and minimal amounts of users seeking treatment, all of which were supposed to be resolved by having these sites. And yet that's the direction that we have gone.
0: I can't imagine that someone actually fooled themselves and others into thinking that this was going to be a solution. It seems obvious that you would get the opposite. You would get the terrible things that they said they were trying to prevent. We have a culture now and a government right now that's encouraging this type of drug activity, the pharmakeia. And some of the people that do drugs will talk about actually seeing demons when they're under the influence of drugs. Some of them have come out and become Christians because they believed, because they were actually demons, that there must be an actual God as well. But we don't recommend that way of coming to the Lord. It's just that what happens when people relinquish the God-given control of our own minds to some other force, to some substance that could put you in touch with demonic forces, we're facilitating that.
1: In Ephesians, we're told, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You could add to that, don't be drunk with wine or drugs or any kind of thing that will take your mind off of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And yet that's what we're doing. And we're legalizing marijuana throughout the country in many of the states, which has, I understand, never taking it before, that it has a psychedelic effect where you just kind of lull, gag around and, you know, it, you have a whole different attitude of life than when you are in your right frame of mind. So we're being lulled in this country away from having our faculties and our mental ability and our spiritual ability to turn to God. Instead, just kind of going into this la-la land, this hazy drug land. It's really tough to see what's happening in the scientific community that's doing things that go against God's will. And then just in the natural, where we're giving people the opportunity to do drugs, which used to be illegal. In some
0: cases, it still is illegal and they're still doing this. It's just incredible.
1: It is. So, what happens when mankind tries to replace God? We read what happened in the flood. We can look back on 586 BC when God sent the Babylonians to destroy Israel, Jerusalem, the temple, because they tried to replace God with Baal gods. We can read any of the stories of the Old Testament of people who turned away from God, that there were consequences because God wants us to turn to him, not to other gods. Consider this. What happens when someone wants to be like God, not just replace God in science, but wants to be like God? Somebody tried to do that in Isaiah 14, 14. Satan said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. He tried to be like God. Look what happened to Satan. God's given us wisdom and science to help us in so many ways, but we have to be careful. When we start departing from God's plan and take matters into our own hands, God's going to draw the line. There's going to be consequences. God destroyed the world once. He will bring judgment again. Consider Matthew 24:37 to 39. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like in the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, just having a gay old time, enjoying life and not paying attention to God. Jesus went on to say, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the son of man be. We are building up situations that are drawing us closer and closer to God's wrath here on earth. Let's make sure that we turn to Jesus and follow him so that we don't experience that wrath like the people of Noah did at the time of the flood. Before we end, I want to invite you to join us to a Bible prophecy question and answer series. Jan Weil and myself will be presenting a little bit on Bible prophecy, but primarily answering your questions on Bible prophecy. We'll be meeting on Thursday, September 8th at seven o'clock at Redeemer Church, 13831 Industrial Road. If you want more information, you can visit our website at livingwordministry.org. We'd love to see you on September 8th, 7 o'clock, Redeemer Church.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540 Omaha, Nebraska 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.